This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, you had a uh, unique NFL fan experience last night. You were able to um, go to Nissan Stadium and view the last Tennessee Titans preseason game, which, man, I got to tell you, week four of the preseason is just scintillating. Um, oh, it was it was a dog of a game. But here's here's why it's great to go to preseason football games because reg, if you want, so I took my two my two daughters to the game, yeah, and yeah. sat on the third row at the corner of the end zone for seventy five dollars nice. total. Yeah, that, absolutely. Th- those, like StubHub is your best friend yeah, for the preseason. I'm a you seat I'm a seat geek guy because it shows you where all the good deals are. You know, had yep. an issue with another ticket seller, so SeatGeek hooked me up with some different tickets. It worked out great. You know, so we had this awesome view. It was their first ever NFL game, if you can call it that. It was basically college players. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, normally those seats aren't, well, first of all, they're not available because they're season tickets, or the face value yeah. on them is well into the three digits per ticket. So that's why it's Absolutely. great to go to preseason football games. Everything else about them, questionable. Dude, now as a, as like a hardcore football dork myself, like my dad and I, um, I grew up going to preseason games because the games were a little bit cheaper and, you know, we could afford to go and have a great experience. And I just love football so much. Like I enjoy watching the, you know, the late round guys, the free agents, the guys who are on the bubble of the roster. So traditionally I have loved going to preseason football games, but you know, those experiences were really kind of way back in the 80s and 90s. And the NFL, like, stadium experience, Piper, is very different now. And um, when, when we first got on the call, you asked me uh, if I had ever been to an NFL – or if I had ever been to a Titans game. And I went to a Titans game a year or two ago. Um, now, our seats were a little bit different in, the, in that they were about a mile and a half up in the air. Yeah, the, so the other Titans were, game, was the, the Vikings played them in the preseason three years ago, maybe, and I went to that game. And yeah, we were like fifth row in the top deck. So you can yeah. see the whole field real well, but it's a little bit like watching from the Goodyear blimp. That's it. You can see the field, like you can see the expanse of green, but you can't see like anything specific on the field. And like they had an Air Force flyover the night we were there, and I think the Jets flew like beneath us. Like <laughs> You were closer we to the Jets than to the players. Yeah, we could have like thrown some popcorn and hit the pilot. But uh, yeah, it was it was an experience. We were in the building and and you mentioned something off the air that I want you to expand on, which is that NFL games are a lot of shtick now. Like they've really bought into shtick. Um, You know, one of my critiques of it is that there's not a quiet moment. Like there's always something blaring at you from a screen. There's always like cacophonous music and ads. And yeah, it's like leaving your living room to watch a screen that you control to go to, you know, to pay 50 bucks to park an exorbitant amount of money for food to watch screens that you don't control. Um, expand on all that pipe. Tell me what you experienced last night. So for context, you know, I grew up going to Vikings games, you know, I didn't go to a ton cause usually they played on Sundays and that conflicted with church, et cetera. But I went to a handful yeah. and they played in the Metrodome at that time. And so, I mean, it was, it was a raucous environment, but it was raucous for the most part because the fans 
were were just deafening. And so yeah. they, and they had these key things that they would do. So they had the what they called a gyal horn, which is this Norwegian word for like a war horn <laughs> that they that they blow after touchdowns. And they yeah. have they played Welcome to the Jungle before every kickoff, and they had this yep. um, this Viking mascot at the time, a guy named Ragnar, who rode in on a really loud Harley. Yep. And that was kind of it. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of like, you know, make some noise, gong show kinds of things. So transition yep. to about sixteen hours ago from the uh-huh. time of this recording at the at at Nissan Stadium. 15 minutes before kickoff, 10 minutes before kickoff, a mechanical chariot rolls out yep. onto the field, blowing steam out the back with with two huge unicorn things on the front. So it's supposed to be a <laughs> chariot drawn by unicorns. And this is supposed yeah, to course. get fans yeah. excited because you know who it got excited? My nine-year-old daughter who thinks unicorns are the best thing in the world. And she then spent yeah. the next three hours trying to spot every unicorn in the stadium. So, yep. I mean, I guess props to them for ru- <laughs> drawing in a younger fan base. She didn't watch any of the game. Again, they, maybe that was a good thing because it was the fourth preseason game. So then, then they roll out their code of conduct. You know, every stadium does this where usually they run through some rules. Yeah. You know, don't throw things, don't cuss, don't hit people, be kind to those around you. Yeah. But they did it with some faux Garth Brooks lookalike. It was oh, a video wow. singing yeah. their code of conduct to the tune of Friends in Low Places. Wow. And, and so, but they have them kind of in different shots around the stadium and around Nashville. So there's a, you know, there's a pedestrian walking bridge with a great view of downtown. And there's these poor Titans cheerleaders, like half-heartedly dancing alongside this fat white dude in a cowboy hat singing, you know, be nice to your neighbors. It, that, that was, that was maybe the low point of the evening. So, but, but it was just in line with things. The other thing is the Titans don't have an identity. Like they, Correct. They're, they're a nothing yeah. team. And yep, so, and so they, they, they've gone kind of all in on the hero warrior theme now, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, that and unicorns, because those go really well together. Um, well, absolutely. So, so their mascot is a massive, muscled up, looks, looks like, uh, you know, one of the American gladiators wearing like a roaming gladiator thing, but carrying like a Viking axe, you know, like a big war uh-huh. axe. Yeah, and he doesn't yeah. really do anything except walk around and be muscly. And uh, yep. again, my daughter's found this fascinating because there's a huge man with muscles. In <laughs> fact, one of them leaned over and she goes, are those his real muscles? <laughs> I said, well, I mean, yes, if, if steroid muscles are real, then, yeah. then those are real. Yeah. He, he earned them by cheating. Um, yep. Now, on the plus side, being Nashville, the, na- the national anthem experience was exceptional because you can't, unless you bring in like Luke Bryan or Florida Georgia line, you're going to get a good singer singing it in Nashville. Yeah, but I think my favorite. So my favorite part of the evening, though, just in terms of gimmicks, was the halftime show was Pee Wee football. So they they had they had four Pee Wee football teams, each playing a different end of the field, essentially running goal line drills against each other. So just running a yep. handful of plays until they scored or turned it over. But those guys were all kept during the second quarter in like a, a fenced off bullpen on the sidelines, uh-huh. right by the cheerleaders. Oh, nice. So, a, so, it's so a good evening for those guys. Those yeah. gentlemen had a fine <laughs> so, time. So there are a whole <laughs> bunch of just, you know, stunningly attractive Barbie dolls dancing to every pop and country song that comes on and a bunch of 11-year-olds just gawking in their helmets four yeah. feet away oh, yeah. from them, which was a, was a source of wonderful entertainment to me. Yeah. 
then but you the thing that you made about like sort of cacophonous noise every uh-huh. spare moment of the game there were no quiet moments it was filled right. up with the these two huge jumbotrons just blaring different make some noise kind of chants yeah. or like the whole i can make your hands clap thing and 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 it's just there's no chance to cheer there's not even a chance to right. be, to see what's going on in the game like to really pay attention there's no flow yeah. there's no nothing and yeah, yeah, it was just, it was yeah. overwhelming. Dude, it's terrible. Like, I, I feel like I grew up with, and I, and I still indeed have, like, a deep reverence for pro football. Because these are, the, these are the best athletes in the world doing the most violent thing there is. And, you know, when I, when I would grow up and go to those games in the 80s and 90s with my dad, it was just such a, like, uniquely perfect experience. Like, the, the Hoosier Dome, where we, went, where we grew up going to games... The Colts really didn't have an identity either, but music-wise, all they played in the stadium was like old NFL films, like soundtrack music. So, like during warm-ups, it was like the you know that great old like orchestral NFL yeah. film. You can music. hear you can and, hear John Facenda's voice over the top yeah, in your head. You can head. hear John Facenda's voice, and like the whole thing was just epic. Like it felt really epic. They let they let the athletes and the players be the show in a way that you know, is, is really gone. Um, yeah, there, there's all these, you know, loud, lurid, ridiculous things like competing for your attention. I, I don't know, Pipe, that I'll ever go to another NFL game. Um, I mean, I, which I, is a crazy I statement by me. I would assume. So here's the thing. Now the Titans might not be the best example. Cause I, yeah. I've been to a game at green Bay. Now, granted that again, this has been 20 years ago now, but that felt like a very pure football experience. Um, yeah. Now, Again, to the Green Bay fans who think I'm saying something nice about them, I'm, I'm half saying something <laughs> nice about you. You guys do tailgating and football fandom in the stadium very well. Uh, the reason it was a pure football experience is because Randall Cunningham and the Vikings just whooped the jock straps off you, so that was fun. Um, but it's, you know, it's just acres and acres of sausages being grilled and cheap beer being drunk, and there's this haze of smoke, and then you yeah. enter the stadium – and they're just raucous fans. I think Kansas City is the yep. same way. Like, there are places with these great home environments. Um, yep. A preseason Titans game is bottom of the barrel. Dude, so let's, let's stay on this for one more second, and then I want to I elegantly tran- transition things into our, uh, our Manziel Minute because I think things are done differently uh, north of the border in the CFL and, and a little bit more of a pure football experience. But um, what do we do about – like branding for the Titans, because clearly they're just like throwing darts at a board. Things aren't working. I, I have an idea, and I feel like there's a Titans player that's done an incredible job of like branding and positioning himself, and I don't even think he's thought about it, and that's Taylor Luan. Um, I feel like the Titans corporate should just hand everything over to Taylor Luan and say, you design the uniforms, you like position the team publicly, uh, because what they're doing is not working. Like uh, a, a unicorn-drawn chariot is the most ridiculous, like sad attempt at you know getting fans I, to yeah, identify. A, with a single A you know? baseball team would scoff at a unicorn-drawn Absolutely. chariot, and they don't scoff at exactly. anything. Exactly. So if you're the Titans, why don't you just let? Why don't you go minimalist? Why don't you let the game speak for itself and and just kind of see how the fan base responds? It would be an interesting social experiment and uh one one more thing on the unicorn level piper 
Uh, did I ever share with you that the the team that I played for in France was the Unicorns? You didn't. Do you still have any gear? Yeah, I do have gear. I have my jersey. And, do uh, do and you wear? Do you wear it with pride? I, I do not wear it. <laughs> um, I do not wear my Unicorns jersey. But uh, see, in in Western France, the unicorn is a symbol of virility and strength. And when I first got over to join the team, I. Uh, I made some kind of wisecrack about the unicorn being like the mascot. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like I was the one with the problem. And then I, I realized as I traveled around Western France and saw these like unicorn statues from time to time, that this was not a punchline in their culture. This was not like a, a, a funny sort of little girl thing to be into. And, uh, and I just got on board at that point. But, I, uh, but I yes. just, I just figured out how the Titans picked the unicorn thing. How they, they just hired i'm this is completely made up but i'm sure, i'm 100% certain it's true they hired yeah. a branding uh expert fresh out of college who had studied abroad in you guessed it western france and that person came in and said <laughs> guys i have a really idea how to how to freshen up this this sort of vague two-tone blue nothingness that's right and, and it's the unicorn along with go. an american gladiator like what could be better than those two things and the corporate geniuses that they are, they said absolutely. It fits perfectly in the music city. It just, it's, yeah. it's absolutely yeah, perfect for in this. the music city. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. That's the other thing, Piper. There's nothing about the Titans' approach that is even remotely like culturally relevant or interesting. I, I was talking about this with another friend, and you know, we were we were texting back and forth during a Titans preseason game. And we were like, oh, these uniforms, they're unwatchable. And we realized, like, the whole three-star logo on the Tennessee flag actually has some legs. Like, why not incorporate that? Why not, yeah. why, not, why not call your team the Tennessee Stars, which would be a tip of the cap to, like, Nashville's music heritage. Um, you can incorporate the three-star logo from the flag, and it would be a really kind of elegant, cohesive thing that, that wouldn't be ridiculous. And it and it would be and it would and it would represent the entire state because those stars are supposed to represent the the three different segments of sort of the unique sections of the state in West, Middle, and East Tennessee. I mean, there's there's a lot going on there that's positive. I you yep. know, and the team that does it well is the Nashville Sounds because they're they're yeah. all in on the music theme. Like they are the sounds, Absolutely. the sounds of Nashville, and their scoreboard is a gigantic guitar. It's perfect, and they're a minor league baseball <laughs> team, so they can be a little more stickish, but. Their colors, yep. black and red. So, again, yep. not embarrassing. The, the, the Titans have done absolutely – I mean, they have followed the NFL's lead in doing every marketing thing wrong. They really have, man. They've done, they've done literally every single marketing they, thing They also wrong. just decided to claim a slogan that means nothing. What's the slogan? So you know they have the the annoying guy who runs around with microphones and interacts with fans. You know they're gonna do like a dude. That guy's the worst. That would that would literally be the worst job on he, the planet. In this I case, think. he looks just like a church planner, shaved head and beard, which is very fitting for Nashville. But uh, dude, I feel like everyone in Nashville looks like a church. You could you could call Na you could call the Titans the, the Tennessee church planters, <laughs> the Tennessee planters, and That's, give them like that, a that might like feel a, a little like bit a, agricultural, like a dark denim like game pants. Um, with a with like a plaid jersey, a plaid, you know, a plaid. A plaid jersey, yeah, and and the, the logo is just a beard on the side of the helmet. Um, the logo is a beard, exactly like the face mask is a beard. But you know? every interaction with the fan ended with "Give me a big tighten up," you know. Yeah. So, and every yeah. time I hear that, I, I think "tighten up" as opposed to "loosen up." 
And yeah. I'm like, why are they, why do they want everybody to tighten up? I don't understand. And then I realize it's tighten up. And but yeah. I'm like that that means nothing. It's they yeah, just the- they just sort of it sounds like something that just some dumb drunk dude yelled one time and they were like, "Ooh, that's the slogan right there. We're, you were going to tap into the fan base. That guy liked it. We're going with it." Dude, the the ineptitude on every level of that operation is is really staggering. And you know what? Like it's going to take a a Patriots level of success and dominance on the field to counteract the sadness at every other level. And one one more note on this. I have to say this before we uh, before we leave this topic. Our uniform in France. So we were the we were the Sanbrieu Lacorns. So Lacorns is I guess the the French way to say unicorn. Our uniform was sweet. We had like a University of Michigan color scheme, so like a like a maize and mm-hmm. blue. Um, you know, really simple like maize colored pants. Um, our jerseys were white with like USC stripes on the shoulder, and it just said Lacorns in uh, in like block dark blue with a with a good looking number. Um, the helmet was like a dark Michigan blue, uh, yellow like a gold face mask, and like a really fierce looking <laughs> unicorn on the side. Um, with the with the words, say, say, that, say that phrase again. Fierce yeah, yeah, unicorn. Yeah. It's hard to say it without laughing. But uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, the uniform was so the uniform was way better than the Titans. Our cheerleaders were way better than the Titans. Like they were they were just these sweet like French girls with like a, a really traditional like cheerleading uniform and and they like, actually, everything they actually about cheered instead of just sort of being you know dude vague, right. vague yeah. sex appeal on the sidelines. Everything about our game experience was better than the Tennessee Titans, even though we only drew like wives and girlfriends to the game for fans. But still, it was uh, it was it was a great experience. Tip of the cap to the uh, San Bruno Lacorns, if any of them are listening. Uh, it was it was probably the best experience I've ever had in football. But Piper, speaking of people who are having experiences in professional football right now that may or may not be going well, and also that are taking place in predominantly French-speaking locales. Uh, it's time for our Manziel Minute, and we need to catch up with one uh, Jonathan Manziel, uh, talk about his fortunes for the upcoming week now. Uh, I did read, Piper, that Manziel is off concussion protocol. He will be in uniform um, as the backup to a quarterback named Antonio Pipkin. And here's the curious thing about Antonio Pipkin. Uh, he played at Tiffin University, uh, which is in Ohio. Very small school. Used to be NAIA. Now it's NCAA Division II. Um, and the, the crazy thing about this is that Pipkin has played really well in the last two weeks in relief of Johnny Manziel. So Johnny's back and he finds himself in the same, you know, predicament that he was in, uh, earlier this season in Hamilton, in which he's the backup to a guy whose, whose game is really kind of taken off. So, what, uh, Antonio do you know Pipkin what kind is, of game, um, Mr. Pipkin has, like what kind of a quarterback is he? I'm. Um, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna reveal my ignorance here. Not real familiar with Antonio Pipkin as a football player, dude. I do. Yeah, Antonio Pipkin. Like the best way to describe it to, to me is that he's a, like a poor man's Cam Newton. Um, he's an athletic quarterback. He's bigger. He's thicker. Um, not as elusive as Johnny Manziel, but he's got good arm strength. He can whip the ball down the field. Um, he can keep drives alive with his feet. He's, he's just playing well, and he's not doing stupid things. He's not turning the ball over a whole bunch. He's keeping a really bad team in games. And, um, you know, not to say that he's better than Johnny Manziel, but, you know, maybe for where that team is right now, he, he, he might be. You know, he's not trying to do too much. 
Um, he's an interesting player, and he's kind of one of these guys that Montreal was just cycling through quarterbacks. I think they've had like seven quarterbacks play this season already, so they were just kind of throwing darts at a board at that position. But uh, Pipkin has played well. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if our, our man Johnny can uh, reclaim that job at some point this season. So in terms of football culture in the CFL, I need a little education yeah. here. So in the NFL, you, your goal is to get a quarterback. Who is your quarterback for like 12 years? You know, you want to get them so they're starting by their earlier mid-20s and they play until their mid-30s at the, you know, kind of you want that stretch of their career. And if you yeah. can get that guy, you're, you're likely to be a playoff team um, yeah. because that, that consistency means quality. Does yeah. that happen in the CFL or is there a ton of player turnover? Dude, it does happen in the CFL. So the the best quarterbacks in the league right now, Mike Riley with uh, with Edmonton, um, he's been in the CFL for a long time. Ricky Ray with Toronto has been in the league for a long time. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell uh, has has been around for a long time. So uh, these are guys that are sort of elite, you know, quintessentially CFL quarterbacks who have been in that league for a while. But that being said, they change teams quite a bit. So um, okay. I'm not sure exactly how the contracts work. One of the interesting things about the CFL is that they don't publish player contract information. So, um, it, again, one of the charming things about it is that not every conversation is about like payments and how much a player is getting paid and holdouts and, you know, all that stuff happens kind of behind the scenes in the CFL. So, um, I, I think it's, I think it's elegant and I think it works because, it gives the fans another reason to not resent the players, you know. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you're an NFL and, and fan, given given recent goings on in the NFL, that's uh, that's rare. Dude, it really is. I mean, players are easy to resent for a lot of reasons in the NFL, but um, you know, holding holding out for an extra, you know, four million dollars on top of your already eighty million dollar contract, like there's there's not a whole lot to relate to when, there. And for just the, 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 the standard, NFL. like so, Odell Beckham. Just got paid. You know, he becomes the highest paid wide receiver, broke the record, yeah. until the next guy gets paid. Quarterback's the same way. The sort of perpetual expectation that I should be, like, I will not sign a contract until I'm the highest paid player by either average per year or yeah. total contract. And the players are dumb because what they should really be looking at is total guaranteed money because that's all they're exactly. going to get paid anyway. Yep. And, yep. and the whole thing is just dumb because you inevitably end up with, like, four years with Joe Flacco as the highest paid quarterback because he was the next <laughs> exactly. guy to get paid. You're like Joe Flacco shouldn't be the 20th best paid quarterback. Like he should be, you know, bottom five in terms of paying according to talent as opposed to paying according to time frame. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, it's ridiculous. And that's why that market is so screwy. And I mean, Oakland is really in a similar situation with Khalil Mack, who, you know, Khalil Mack, great pass rusher, obviously, you know, ascendant young talent in the league but um i mean pass rushers are kind of like running backs you look at their performance over time and it's like they get old fast um you know i think offensive lines figure them out i mean as dominant as clay matthews jr was at one time you know he sort of regressed into i mean he's just a guy at this point you know he's a, a guy lot of that was coaching though because they they took about three years of his prime and put him at middle linebacker because who was it Dom oh that's capers right yeah. is just just a moron yeah. like he was Dom capers is committed to like you know defense that's as boring as possible which uh, it, as a vikings fan I, I have to say thank you to him for because clay matthews was a absolutely. scary player and then he became right. a completely irrelevant player 
yeah, let's take our most ferocious edge guy and move him off the edge. Um, but, but so if you're the Raiders, you know, you've just drafted Arden Key, who has some upside as a pass rusher. Um, pennies on the dollar compared to Khalil Mack. So, I mean, the dilemma is, do we pay this guy a king's ransom um, in hopes that he turns into Von Miller? But um, in the back of our minds, maybe we're worried that he's going to be Alden Smith. You know, he's going to have a couple of transcendent seasons and this, and then, you know, kind of fall off for one reason or another. So, um, so yeah, all that to say, uh, the CFL is sort of le- delightfully devoid of those sorts of stories. And uh, that's why I like it, man. That's why I keep watching it. So uh, we'll hope that Johnny Manziel gets back on the field. But Piper, we have we have more hypothetical business to discuss. Uh, and that is our fantasy league. So the official Happy Rant Keeper Auction Draft Fantasy League. Uh, the draft is in the books. It was exciting. Um, let's get into it, Pipe. So let's talk... Can I preface uh, this section real quick by just saying that Ted and I are both aware that nobody gives a crap about our fantasy football teams, and we don't give a crap about your fantasy football team, but this is our podcast, and we love to talk about all things football, including our fantasy football team, so you know, here we are. I, this is, this is not something that we, we are not under any illusions that you are fascinated by how our draft went, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And we're going to do it in such a way that we invite the listener in and we we give the whole conversation context such that the goings on in our draft can sort of be related to by you. Um, And also the players and the scenarios that we talk about will hopefully be um, entertaining and helpful to you in your own fantasy football lives, in your own pretend fake football lives. Um, So (laughs) this is nothing if not. Uh, manifestly practical. So, Piper, let's talk about the draft. Let's first talk about team names because I feel like you have settled on one that you're really um, you're really excited about. So, let's talk about that. Yeah. So, if listeners will remember, the last episode we were workshopping some names. I, I insisted that it be built around. Um, <clears throat> the image of Randy Moss fake mooning the Lambo crowd. So, ideally, working in the name Randy. Um, Ted threw out some suggestions. We we texted a few things, but those were a little bit off center for the 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 Randy core of the name. Yeah. Um, but again, just good to keep the creative juices flowing. We get to our draft, and you know it's an auction draft, so guys are getting you know picked up here and there and here and there. And I was needing a receiver, so after I'd filled you know some key spots, I ended up bidding higher than anybody else to get Adam Thielen, who is the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, either number one or number two receiver. They sort of have 1A and 1B with him and Stefan Diggs. So I get Thielen, which I'm excited about as a Vikings fan. I'm excited about as a fantasy football player. But I'm especially excited about because Thielen is the perfect pun word. It really is. You can it's be so hooked, versatile. You can be hooked on a Thielen. You can be Thielen real good. You can be a lot uh, of things. But my team, my team is Thielen Randy. That's what there that's it what it's feeling. So there it is. that's the uh, that is the team name. I'm feeling Randy, and yep. and I'm and I'm just at peace with that. I feel good about it, and uh, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Man, good for you! Congratulations, Pipe. I know that was a it was a long journey to get you there. I had confidence we would arrive on something. I mean, I had good good people speaking into it. Um, you know, yeah. the team names that you and Tristan came up with were an inspiration. And so when yeah. when I acquired Adam Thielen, it just it, it all just coalesced. You know what? That's really a picture of the of the church. I think as as iron sharpens iron. You know, uh, that was so, really the... so one pun sharpens another. 
that was the crucible you were in for a while as you were uh, as you were trying to um, to get there with a fantasy team name. But um, you know, th- this is not to brag, but I think I think you and I and and my son have the strongest names in the league. You know, with the exception of our contest winners, they've done a very good job. But um, the rest of the landscape there, name wise, is pretty unremarkable. You know, there's nothing that really sticks out to me. So. Um, yeah, we, I I don't, we, we, we ended up not mentioning those names in the last podcast, but I think we can give them a quick mention and we should move on yeah. from them quickly. So it's not to risk offending anybody. Uh, Absolutely. one of them is a play on the name, um, Zach Ertz and it is just my ball, Zach Ertz. So congratulations <laughs> to that. That's hilarious. Moving on. The other one was, uh, what was it? Um, don't stop to Don't stop to a wonderful play on the name Akib Talib, who is one of the most eccentric and delightfully moronic characters in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. One of our favorite NFL idiots. So that, that name jumped right off the page to me and, uh, congrats to those two contest winners. We're going to look forward to, uh, having them in the league. But speaking of the league Piper, um, how did you feel about your draft? So I'm looking now at the league page. And there's a little uh, a little sponsored award called Best Draft that went to your team. I'm I'm feeling Randy took home the hardware, the trophy uh, for Best Draft. So Piper, talk us through your draft. Talk us through uh, how you're feeling about it, and then I've got some mixed feelings on my draft. Yeah, I mean, I it's a, so first of all, some context for listeners who again don't care. But here we go. Um, yeah. It is it's a deep league, so there's 12 teams, and then we have deep rosters because we have our standard starting lineup with quarterback, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. But then we have three flex positions, including one that can be a quarterback, so it can be a two quarterback league. So that's crazy, man. Which, I've never played in a league like that before. So so the guy who I co commissioned this league with, a guy named Brandon, who I've been friends with uh-huh. since freshman year in college. He and I have played a ton of fantasy sports together, and we've just gotten to the point where we realize like shallow leagues are not fun because everybody can you can always pick up a starter to replace an injured player. Deep teams yeah, makes right. it a challenge. It means you have to be on the ball with waivers. It means your sleepers really matter. The back end of the draft can win you a league. Nobody wins yeah. a fantasy league in the first eight rounds. You win it in the last eight rounds. Um, <clears throat> so dude, we did that. Dude, can I can I ask you a question vis a vis Brandon? So this is going to be a little digression, but then we'll get Fair back enough. on uh, back on track. Could you describe for me Brandon's college persona? Brandon's uh, math major, um, yep. and he's he is a smartest guy in the room. Was he that guy? Uh, he, by by intellect, he was always on the high end, but not by persona. He was a quiet. Um, fairly reserved. I mean, so introverted guy, but always had a good group of close friends. And so he's yeah. the kind of guy who, when he's in a context where he knows people, he'll, he'll make fun of people. He'll, he's hilarious, really, you know, you know, plays on words, really dry sense of humor will absolutely go in on someone, but like in a big group, he's going to be sort of a, a quieter, you know, off to the edges kind of person. Um, just not not the center of attention by any means. Um, loves, you know, he just, he's one of these guys who, when he loves something, he goes all in. So he's, he is a, he's a sports guy. So one of the, he's a freelance, he does all sorts of freelance things, but one of the things he does is freelance sports writing. Um, interesting, but he's, he's, he's the kind of guy who's really fun to talk to because he loves Uh the stuff as opposed to trying to be smarter and out argue you. Um, I was, I was more that persona, like just the, the, Uh the total douche who wanted to win every argument. Brandon liked to participate in arguments, which was a little different. 
Interesting. Yeah, so he was the one who was really like behind the majority of the trash talk during our draft. Like, yeah. I think if he had not been a part of our draft, there would have been like little to no trash talk. There would have been some banter. Um, but he and my 15-year-old son actually um, really got into it on to, draft To night. be fair, 35-year-old Brandon did not know that your son was 15. He, yeah, no, he it's only it's totally He only fun. knew that it was Ted's son, and he knows you well enough to be like, well, Ted could be between the ages of like 38 and 55, so he could feasibly <laughs> have a college-age son who, you know, exactly. making, fun, making fun of a college-age person is a little different than a 15-year-old. Dude, totally. And, and I was fine with it. Um, and, and like just to paint the picture for the audience, so Tristan and I, Tristan's my son, we did the fantasy draft in my home office, and... I was at my desk and there's a there's a sofa in my office that he was sitting on and I would see this trash talk pop up. We were both on our individual screens and I'd just be like, dude, let it go. Dude, let it go. Dude, let it go. <laughs> dude. And <laughs> my son is like he's like Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Like if somebody steps to him, he just can't let it go ever. And <laughs> I like your like, son. I like your son oh, for yeah. that reason. That's hilarious. Uh, absolutely. So he's he's trying to come back at your like ultra clever, smartest guy in the room, Wheaton College graduate, aged like 40. And I'm just like, dude, let it go. But uh, it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. Tristan enjoys that stuff. And uh, back to your team, Piper. I'm, lo- I'm looking at your roster, and your roster is fascinating to me in that you've got Cam Newton at quarterback, which I know you love Cam Newton. He's a he's a freak show of an athlete. Let me explain um, the Cam Newton pick. So yeah, yeah. I, I do like Cam Newton, but here's the other thing. Their scoring in this league gives points for first downs. So uh, it's because there, there's in fantasy nerdery, there's been a rise of we should give scoring for first down because it adds value to players who otherwise don't really fit. So like short yardage yep. backs, running quarterbacks, yep. Um, possession receivers, things like that. And so we added that this, you know, to this league. And so Cam Newton goes from being, you know, he's probably a top 10 quarterback. He, you know, he could feasibly be quarterback one. He could feasibly be quarterback like 13. You never really know. Yeah. Yeah. But when you get the first now stuff, he is, he is the Panthers short yardage back. So yeah, he really is. That's, that's why. And then I also think his receivers are just remarkably better this year than they have been the last two or three years. So I expect an uptick in, in passing as well. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. That was a good pick. And he's, you know, he's risky in that he's one concussion away from being on the shelf, right. you know, for a while. Uh, but you've got a deep bench. You know, you've got, you've got Dak Prescott behind him. Um, you've got the great Jameis Winston there on the bench. If he can get through the first four weeks, might have some upside. Um, what, are your, what are your key concerns with your roster, Piper? My biggest uh, as I, yeah. My biggest as, as I look at it, it looks strong. But, uh, yeah, what are, you, what are your concerns? So in an auction, there's usually there, there's sort of two different ways of going about it, and a lot of the guys in our league went for the one style. I'm almost always the other. The one style yeah. is you go, you spend like ninety percent of your budget on four or five players, and then you fill in the 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 uh, the rest of your roster with low budget guys later on. I I went the other way, which is to be more conservative spending and target key players. So I went way in on David Johnson at running back because I think he's. Yeah. He's my he's the guy who I think is going to have the best fantasy year. Now, could yeah. be Le'Veon Bell, could be Todd Gurley, but I'm betting on David Johnson. Um, sure. And then the rest of the guys were all kind of even money. So, I, yeah. so it's a deep team, but not a ton of superstars. Um, yeah. My biggest concern is that I don't like my running backs. Um, I don't I don't hate them. I just don't trust them. 
Yeah. So David See, Johnson makes me nervous because he's a health risk and because Arizona is bad. Yep. Yep. Alex Collins. They're bad. They're going to be throwing a lot. Yeah. Alex Collins, I actually like. He's he's one of my favorite picks of yours. Um, you know, he's looked good in the preseason. I think Baltimore uh, is going to run the ball well and run the ball a lot because of who their quarterback is. And um, I don't know. I think Alex Collins is actually a nice, you know, a nice little sleeper. Yeah, I mean, if, if he was 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns or something like that with another couple hundred receiving and a touchdown, then all of a sudden he's a yeah. decent running back, too. I feel good about that. And then I got Lamar Miller as third string slash flex. And he's another yeah. guy who, if the Texans, if, like, if, if all things are clicking on their offense, he's going to be a valuable weapon. But yeah. he could also get 400 yards, two touchdowns, and be completely worthless. Dude, he really could. That's that's definitely like the, the the floor is low with Lamar Miller, and it's kind of astonishing to me that Lamar Miller is still uh, Houston's starting running back. I feel like they've, for the balance of their history as a franchise, they've had like Lamar Miller esque running backs. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they, had, they really was it? it was Arian Foster for about four years was just that's true. A I forgot about the Arian Foster era. Yeah, and he it, was a monster. He he just matched up perfectly with what Kubiak did back then. Yep. And then yep. and then he just got too many injuries and, and you know was done. Um, exactly. Other than those, like I don't look at a ton of I don't have a ton of concerns. The, my other biggest concern is like be, be, besides David Johnson and Cam Newton, I don't see a ton of guys on my roster who I'm like they could put up a fifty point week. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of like more, fi- there's going to be a lot of 15 to 22 point weeks from other guys. Absolutely, and and yeah, there, there's not a lot of guys who you know are going to be consistent. You know, Devin Funches could have like two catches for nine yards from time to time. OJ Howard at tight end. I mean, that offense could completely go yeah, off the rails. My, I think- my tight ends are garbage. I've got him, and then I've got uh, what's his face, George Kittle from San Francisco, yeah. and that was a total flyer because I'm like, well, Garoppolo has to throw to somebody. Dude, and Kittle's explosive. He's a great athlete. There's been a lot of hype around him. He could be, uh, he could be a nice player. So let me tell you about my chief roster. Concern. Yeah, your roster is more interesting than mine. Mine is just sort of steady. Yours is intriguing, especially because you drafted a bunch of guys who I hate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I drafted a bunch of guys that I love. Like everyone on my roster, I like for some reason. So I went full on uh, emotional, sentimental. My concern, Piper, is that if it were 2009, my roster would be amazing. Uh, unfortunately, it's 2018. So I have <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. It's 2018. Uh, Matthew Stafford is my quarterback. So Tristan and I had a we had a little strategy going into the draft in that. Our two favorite quarterbacks in the league are uh, are Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady. So he's a huge Pats fan. So he wanted Tom Brady. Uh, I told him I would get Matthew Stafford just to keep like our two favorite guys in the in the household, so to speak. So uh, Stafford is my quarterback. I'm actually excited about him. I think he's always he's always going to get numbers because that team is never going to run the ball. Um, so he had 4,400 yards passing last year and almost 30 touchdowns. And that so, was a low year for him because I think he'd gone over 5,000 the two previous years. He did, yeah. He's always going to be a numbers machine. So that, that I feel good about. Um, I have Larry Fitzgerald at wide receiver. Um, I, have, I have deep, profound respect for Larry Fitzgerald. He's one of these interesting guys who has like, moved from the outside into, into the slot as an older player a la Anquan Bolden. You know, he's kind of retooled his game. Uh, he's like an old Michael Jordan at this point. He's like post-up Michael Jordan. And um, I still love Larry Fitz. I hope there's something left in the tank there. 
My if, other receiver, if Al- Bradford plays for half a season, that's a big if. Fitzgerald is yeah. going to he and he those two are perfect for each other as they really players. Are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think Bradford can do that because I think his knee is shot. But Fitz has a chance to have a pretty productive year. I got Allen Robinson at wide receiver just because I wanted a Chicago Bear. I have no idea how that's going to go. Um, but my guess is not well, given that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback and it's the Bears. But uh, but I wanted a Bear, and uh, I got Allen Robinson. Now, the guy that I overspent on Piper for sentimental reasons is Leonard Fournette. Um, he is young. Um, he is a huge back, um, a downhill guy. He, he embodies to me like everything that's right about football, but it may have been a bad fantasy choice. So all my running backs, Piper, they're all created in my image in that they're all 235 pounds, will knock your block off, but nobody's catching a ball. Um, <laughs> nobody in that backfield is catching a football ever. So uh, I, I may need to like make some moves at running back so that I can have um, a little bit more diversity here's, in my here's offense. Here's the thing, though. With that first down scoring, so let me run through your running backs for listeners. So interesting. Leonard Fournette, LeGarrette Blunt, Marshawn Lynch, uh, and then on, their, on your bench you have Jeremy Hill and... Ronald Jones from uh, Tampa, who Tampa total total flyer. I overspent on Ronald Jones. Well, here's the that thing: was, was this is this play. is a keeper league, which means that yeah. you, you keep them at the value you paid for them this year, plus a little bit of money next year. So Ronald Jones, I don't know, would you pay for him like six bucks? That six bucks, he could like be that. a starting running back for you at like eleven dollars next year. That could be an awesome pick, um, and he could be good. I loved him in college, so that was kind of why I went in on him. But so yeah. all of those guys though are the short yardage backs for their team now. You yeah. know, you get guys, you you know, you have a Fournette. He's the everything back for that team. And they got rid yep. of Chris Ivory, which means I was just listening to a podcast earlier that was talking about how Ivory stole like eight of his goal line carries last year. Yep. That's probably two to four touchdowns, you know, if assuming yeah, that absolutely. the rates are all the same. So um, that's a lot of first downs that you're going to get out of those guys. So that makes up for the, the catches that they won't get to a great degree. So in a normal league, I think that's a dog of a running back group. In this league, there's some decent upside there. Dude, but they're all guys I love. I love LeGarrette Blunt. Which matters Um, so much because it means you can root root for your fantasy team. For example, I really needed a quarterback. Big Ben was being bid on, and it was at a pretty good value, and I almost went in on him, and I could have gotten him. And I was just like, you know what? I can't root for Big Ben. Not putting him on my team. I need a quarterback (laughs) who I I can be happy when he does well. Exactly. So my other concern is I spent big money on Rob Gronkowski at tight end because I figured, you know, my receiver room is a little bit meh. Um, I'm going to I'm going to spend some cashish on uh, on Gronk, who I love. I love Rob, Rob Gronkowski. I love him when he's healthy. He's one of the most interesting matchup nightmares in the league. But here's the problem. He's going to be injured by week four. Um, and then I'm probably not going to have him until, you know, the playoffs, maybe. So. Um, I know the deal with Rob Gronkowski, uh, but I, I drafted him anyway. The, the receiver, I'm intrigued by Piper, and we'll probably disagree on this because of disagreements we have about John Gruden, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, Amari Cooper, I think, has huge upside. Um, one of these Alabama receivers had a really nice start to his career, kind of tailed off last year. Uh, I think John Gruden is going to rejuvenate him, and I got, I got Amari Cooper really cheap. I got him for, relatively speaking, a steal. And uh, I think there's some upside there. Your thoughts? Uh, I think the money you paid for him is is exactly the right uh, like that that level of pay was exactly right for a guy who he could be a top five 
wide receiver in fantasy this year um, uh-huh. easily. You know, so he could be like a 1,300-yard, yeah. 10-touchdown guy. That That's yep. very much within the realm of possibility. He could also be a 700-yard, four-touchdown guy like he was last year. And yep. and that's just it, – it's a total crapshoot because nobody knows how Gruden's going to play. The same is true with Marshawn Lynch. Like, is Marshawn Lynch going to get 120 carries this year or 280 carries this year? One of those exactly. is going to be a top-10 running back. The other is yep. going to be, you know, LeGarrette Blunt from just last a guy. year. Yeah, um, just a so guy. So I, I don't hate Cooper. I just – I can only go in on so many risk-reward guys, and you have Cooper, you have Gronk, you have Marshawn Lynch, you have... Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, who is who is the one who... who I'm I, super excited about. I almost went in on him as well, because he... He's, he's, just he's, the, right. he's just the most freakishly talented wide receiver in the NFL physically. Not the most yeah, productive, yeah. but just the, the most. Because, I mean, last year he came back for, what, three or four games? He put up 100 yep. and a touchdown fresh off the street against professional football players. He's nuts. Yeah, he really is, man. He's ridiculous. And uh, I wanted Josh Gordon. I wanted some Browns because I'm intrigued by the Browns. Yep. Uh, the other Cleveland Brown that I got is Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick in the draft. I think I got him for like two bucks. Um, I'm excited with my young quarterbacks pipe because this is a keeper league. Um, I got Josh Rosen for a buck right at the end of the draft. Um, I feel like one of those guys is going to pop. Now, one of the guys that I'm super excited about, deep sleeper wise, is Anthony Miller, wide receiver, Chicago Bears, freakishly productive at Memphis set all kinds of records in college, was a walk-on at Memphis, but really, really good player, really polished route runner. Um, I'm excited about what he might potentially do in that, uh, in that Chicago offense. So yeah, I, I grab the, the Chicago offense guys scared me because I don't, yeah, with good reason. I don't know what to, I mean, new coordinator this year, that's probably a positive, but is Trubisky decent or is he like, is he going to be the next Mariota where he's a high pick who just, He's always exhibited potential, but five years in is still like, eh, he, he Dude, should honestly, be better than he is. I honestly see him that way. I think four or five years in, we're going to be going, ah, Mitch Trubisky, do we give him another contract or, or what? Which is exactly what's going to happen with Mariota, you know? And he's going to get the next deal just because if you're the Titans, you're going to look at the landscape and go, well, what are our other options? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mariota's been a disappointment. And we hate to talk about him in those terms because – you know, he's a good kid, and he's he's had some explosive moments. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, it's it's tough to get and he's, too And he's not a bad quarterback. He's just the right. level of quarterback play. He's now the floor of starting quarterbacks instead of the middle class. You know, three years ago, exactly. he was sort of middle class. Now yep. that pro, that production is, is – yeah. that's, bottom, that's bottom quarter of the league production. Exactly. And he's joined at the floor of the league by, uh, by Jameis Winston. You know, same draft class. Yep. Uh, number one overall guy, um, a Tampa guy that intrigues me. Pipe. I'm friends with his agent, Chris Godwin, wide receiver. I think he's beat out Deshaun Jackson in Tampa. Um, I got him for pennies on the dollar toward the end of the draft. I think he's a guy that could end up. My bench, honestly, receiver wise, they could all end up starting and being way better than the starters that I picked. You know, Larry Fitzgerald could get old. Allen Robinson could be a Chicago Bears receiver. Um, Amari Cooper <laughs> might flounder under John Gruden. We don't know, but but this bench can end up being uh, really high up, high upside yeah. with Miller, Josh Gordon, Chris Godwin. I think he's going to have a nice season, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see. I really, I really liked your your late grabs of those rookie quarterbacks for sure, because especially in a keeper league, um, you know they 
they will one of those guys you know how Carson Wentz as a rookie kind of didn't do anything but then his second yeah. year was was MVP until he blew out his knee I don't know that either yep. of these guys are that good because Carson Wentz might be sort of you know how there was you know there's like Andrew Luck there's Carson Wentz there's these guys who are just they're a step above but yeah. they could easily be um Josh Rosen you know, where yeah. rookie year they they struggle a little bit, and then second year all of a sudden they're they're very productive. I could easily see that out of either of those guys. Yeah, for sure. Piper, is there anybody in our draft that that you really wanted that you didn't get? Um, not specifically. I I would have liked. I, I look at my team and I think I wish I would have gotten um one more one more elite player. So just like my wide receivers are Adam Thielen, Demarius Thomas, Devin Funchess, Jamison Crowder, Mike Williams from the Chargers. Which I think was a brilliant pick, by the way. I mean, Mike Mike Williams, Williams he might might be an elite player. That's the thing. He's he's sort of of my Josh Gordon, you know, injured last year, elite quarterback and and big play guy. So he I just I just look at it and I'm like, I'm I I don't I don't think that I'm going to get massive weeks out of any of my receivers you know massive week for Demarius Thomas is like 130 and two touchdowns that's a good week but that's not a Julio Jones big week that's not an you know an Antonio Brown or Josh Gordon big week so and that Denver offense scares me in in the same way that Tampa's does in that you know Denver might they might have lost faith and given up by week four of the season you know what I mean their season might be over like four or five weeks in um, in which case, who knows what happens to Demarius Thomas? You know yeah. what I mean? The reason I picked up Thomas is partly because he was one of the only good receivers left on the board, but also because he reminded me of so watching Case Keenum play last year, who is now Denver starting quarterback. Yep. Demarius Thomas is what Adam Thielen was for Keenum last year, which is essentially the big yeah. guy. You throw it near him, and he just he can he can make contested catches, and he can make something happen after the catch. So he's not yeah. he's not the best deep threat. He's not the best possession guy. But he's a he's a chuck it up and let him find the ball, kind of beat the defensive back into the ground, which is what Keenum needs. So yeah. I think he could have some big games. I'm not overly excited about him, though. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. It really does. Um, Piper, I know you've got a, a hard out at 10 o'clock, so we probably need to uh, to land the plane on this episode. But do we have time to talk about Barry Sanders? I think we college have. Production? I think we have to. Yes, that was unbelievable. You texted me a screenshot of. Barry Sanders, game by game, his last year in college at Oklahoma State. Um, Barry Sanders, obviously legendary Hall of Fame running back for the Detroit Lions, played on a lot of bad Lions teams, but put up ridiculous numbers in the league and had a great career. Um, You compared his numbers, um, his last year in college, with the top rushing game by any running back in college football week by week through last season. And uh, it was astonishing. So talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I I was just I, Barry Sanders is uh, one of my he was probably my favorite football player ever to watch, and yeah. um, top two or three favorite players of all time. It was like him and John Randall and Randy Moss. Um, yeah, and so <clears throat> there was this great article recapping because it's the twenty year anniversary of his Heisman uh, season um, at Oklahoma State. So just recapping how he got there. So it's this amazing sort of pseudo oral history of how he went almost unrecruited out of high school at, I think it was Tulsa North. 
So mm-hmm. at and at this time, Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne were in in the, I think it was the what do they call it in the Big Eight or yeah, something like Big Eight exactly. And and, uh, and they just they missed him, and he would have been yep. imagine him running running their offenses that Veer offense that that option offense, um, and they missed him. So Oklahoma State picked him up. They already had Thurman Thomas, so he waited in the wings for another NFL Hall of Famer to to go. So then, as a I think it was a junior, he starts. And so these are, so here are the total numbers for the best week from last year of any power five running back. So cumulative numbers, 2,836 yards and 27 touchdowns. So that's game by game, week by week, best performance by a power five running back, 2,836 yards, 27 touchdowns. Here are Barry Sanders numbers from his 1988 season, 2,850 yards. So he beat it by about 15 yards. Wow. 42 touchdowns. Huh. He had, he had dude. what? One, two, three, four games of over 300 yards. Another one of 293 yards in that era. That was, that was like elite passing numbers. Yeah, absolutely. That's dude, insane. He beat the, the cumulative best running backs from last year by 15 touchdowns. Yeah. No, it's incredible. I mean, I mean, you use the you talk about video game numbers. I think a video game would be like, you need to stop playing on rookie mode if you put up these kind of numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that was a real guy against real defenses. You know, they, they, they played real defense in the, in the big eight back then. It's not like, uh, not like the big 12 today. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah this, really, this was like, this is like the Nebraska black shirts. This is Oklahoma. Dude, Nebraska when they black were... shirts, Oklahoma, when they had the boss, I mean, these are real players. Like real players on real defense. Texas Texas A and M held him to his worst game of the year, um, and it was 157 yards and two touchdowns. Well, actually, Missouri he got 154 and two, but I think he only played um, like two and a half quarters. Unbelievable, man! Unbelievable, transcendent talent, Barry Sanders. Tons of fun to watch in the league. Played one, in uh, one. Go ahead, pipe. I was say yeah. one last comment on that article for listeners. It's it's at ESPN.com. You can just go find it. Just go look up Barry Sanders. Um, there's a highlight video of his of his high school. It's his high school highlight video, and it was sort of mythical for a while. But they dug it up. It is. I mean, it's Barry Sanders. You've seen it, but but him doing those things to like 140 pound defensive backs, just just cleats and just people strewn everywhere. He's <laughs> it's bonkers. And the crazy thing was how much more athletic he got when he got to Oklahoma State because he ran like a four five six coming into college and he ran a four three eight coming out. Yeah. And so he was he was just a monster. Yeah, yeah, really he really was, you know, and it interesting that the Lions were never better with him. Um, you know, the Lions were were bad for a lot of reasons in that era, but um, you know, I think he was a guy that while he always delivered numbers and like sensational highlight runs in the league, you could, you could never really build an offense around him. You know, um, it, it was just an interesting career there in the league. And you wonder what would have happened if he had, if he had wound up on a better team. I mean, what happens if like he's in Miami with Dan Marino and that, that team has a little bit more balance during that era or what happens if he ends up in uh San Francisco, San Francisco instead of Roger Craig, you know, yeah. uh, how, how do things change there? But 
Uh, yeah, a lot of what ifs with Barry Sanders. Yeah, he I, he. I feel like he's the kind of running back who could play in most systems because he was a better pass catcher than he got credit for. But yep. he also just, um, yeah, you couldn't build an offense around him. But if he had been plugged into a decent offensive system, man, imagine the play action off of him. Just how everybody they'd be so scared of him. The gravity that he had as a player. I mean, who was the best quarterback he ever played with? Scott Mitchell. Yeah, that's yeah. Eric Kramer, no, no, no wonder they Eric weren't Kramer. good under him. Yeah, exactly. No, it it is no wonder. And um, yeah, fascinating career, man. Played in the old Pontiac Silverdome on the AstroTurf, and uh, was a huge favorite of mine as well. Piper, uh, you are one minute away from your meeting. Let's get a quick book recommendation, and then we'll wrap this episode. So I recommended this on the last regular Happy Rant, just kind of in conversation, but I'm going to recommend it here as well. It's a book by Michael Lewis, the same guy who wrote Moneyball and the Blind Side, two great sports books, Um, but it's called Coach. And it's just, it's a short little book, almost like a vignette of of him honoring his his high school baseball coach. Um, So this hard-nosed coach who made, his goal was to make men. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, how that guy has struggled over the years to adapt to parents who are getting softer and softer and don't want their kids pushed. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a it, in typical Lewis fashion, brilliant storytelling. Um, but it's short book. You can probably read it in, in an hour or two, but it's just called Coach by Michael Lewis. It's fantastic. I love it, man. Mine is uh, a Detroit Lions book, Paper Lion. Uh, early immersive journalism, early created nonfiction, George Plimpton, uh, one of the great practitioners of that craft, uh, went undercover in the 1963 Detroit Lions uh, training camp as a quarterback. Um, some incredible characters, uh, just incredible things going on in that book. So the book is Paper Lion, and I love it, and uh, you should check it out. So, Piper, we have wandered to and fro throughout this episode. Until next time, Josh Gordon. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.